Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> oh, I left my paper over there. Okay, so sorry about that. Um, this is Mission Sunday and BGMC, so we got the kids up here going to uh, collect your change today. But this month, they are learning about Germany. And I actually have a friend who works in Germany, planting an international church there. She planted, she's actually spent her whole life there. She's a little bit younger than me, but she's been there 26, 27 years um, out of North Texas. And anyway, so she planted one international church, and now she's gone back and has planted another one in East Berlin. And she does something called Red Box ministries and I just got to tell you about this because it is so cool and BGMC helped with um, getting the box and stuff but basically in Europe you know in the, they have these big well they're not really they call plazas they're not really parks they're plazas uh, where people and anybody can just stand up and preach or do whatever you know juggle or whatever and people throw money play music or whatever so she stands up on the red box and preaches the gospel right there in the public in the plaza and then afterwards her and her team they talk to people who stayed and were interested and tell them more about it and of course invite them to church and so forth and so it's just a, a, a great ministry uh, being able to do that over there. Germany is um, about 27% Roman Catholic, 25% Protestant, 5% Muslim, but 43% is no religion. And of course, a lot of that, especially in the eastern part, is from where they were part of communist um, Russia before. And so um, they, they all grew up, whole, I mean, several couple of different generations grew up with atheism being taught to them in schools and so forth. And so um, it's just a really big opportunity for them to share the gospel. BGMC helps with Bible schools. Of course, it helps with um, translation of Kids Quest, evangelistic and drug-free programs. There is a lot because, you know, with atheism, there's no hope. And without hope, people turn to other things like drugs and alcohol. So there's a lot of problems with that. So they help also with the Kids Quest drug-free program to, to fund um, translations and materials and so forth. So that's a lot of what is being done in Germany right now. And we'll pray over the offering. Don't forget that it is, it's not just BGMC Sunday, it's Mission Sunday. And you, when, you, um, when they do the offering later, be sure and put in something to help with our missionaries that we partner with all around the world in order to bring Jesus Christ to the nations. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and your grace in our lives, for your faithfulness to us, that as we give, you multiply that gift to enlarge your kingdom all around the world. So we thank you for it. We thank you that as we give into your kingdom, you provide for us all that we need for life and godliness. So I thank you for that. Lord, bless this offering in the name of Jesus. Amen. Y'all come on up.
Thank you for your giving this morning, man. You know, we have missionaries come in and they say, hey, that little bit of change, you'd be surprised how much it adds up and helps them out around the world. And so we appreciate that. Hey, I want to welcome you this morning. Uh, I saw a couple of visitors come in, or at least that I didn't recognize that doesn't always mean you're a visitor, I guess, but uh, we want to welcome you here this morning. If you are, if this is your first time, uh, please let us know that. Uh, we've got a little gift out there for you, but uh, if it's maybe your first time in a while, we welcome you. We want you to be, uh, we were, we're glad you're here. We want you to enter in and join with us this morning as we worship the Lord. I have one quick announcement this morning. Tonight is our fall festival and chili cook-off. So uh, I've got a sign-up form out there on the counter. If you're going to bring chili, if you would write it down just so we know how many we're going to have. That way we can make sure we have enough uh, room for everybody's chili out there. Um, I do have a gift card from Blakely's Burgers, new restaurant here in town. If you haven't been over and tried out a burger, bring a pot of chili, maybe you'll win a gift card to it. And uh, so uh, we're excited about that. I'm excited about all the chili. I got up this morning and I pulled some deer meat out of the freezer and threw it in a, a skillet and started cooking it and put some onions and peppers with it. And Jill said, I ain't eating that. <laughs> so if you like your chili with peppers and onions and that kind of stuff, then there's plenty because she said she won't eat it. But I'll eat it. But listen, I've got hot dogs. We got hot dogs. We got Fritos. So we'll have hot dogs with chili frito chili pie however you want to do it uh all we ask is you if you do a chili uh bring your pot of chili and uh if bring some desserts and bring whatever sides you want with chili maybe there's something special you like to eat with chili you want to share with everybody so bring that tonight six o'clock down in the pavilion uh we're going to have a hayride i believe there's supposed to be good weather today we had rain this week but i believe we're supposed to have good weather we're gonna have a hayride if you want to go on a hayride or the kids want to ride uh, we're, we've got horseshoes and we've got uh, cornhole and games down there. We'll have a good time of fellowship this evening and, and just hanging out. So uh, bring someone with you. It's a great opportunity for you to invite somebody to come with you and let us just love on them. And so that's, that's our purpose. That's our goal is to share the love of Jesus with them. And so don't forget about that. Come back tonight uh, and, and just, just have a good time with us tonight. Uh, let's stand this morning. We're going to worship the Lord. We love doing worship every week, and, and we, we have a wonderful band and singers. But, you know, sometimes I feel like the Lord just wants us just to express our own words. It's easy to sing the songs on the screen that someone else has written. But I feel like we need to use our own words, our own voices, and express to God in our own, our own words how much we love Him this morning. Can we do that? Can we just lift our hands this morning and just take a moment and just tell God how much we love Him? Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you, God, for everything that you do for us. Lord, we worship you this morning, God, because of who you are, because of what you are, God. And as Lord, as we come into your house this morning, Lord, we just come with a heart of thanksgiving. Lord, we come with a, a worshipful attitude, God, and everything that we do, we give you glory. We praise you. We exalt you this morning, God, because you are our Savior. You're our healer. God, you're our deliverer. God, you're the one that loves us when no one else does. You're the one that we can turn to when we can't turn to anyone else, God. And we know that. And we worship you. We love you for it. We exalt you this morning, God, because you're worthy of our praise. Lord, you inhabit our praise. God, we love you and we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.
morning. Father, we thank you, Father, for the, your presence in this sanctuary when we walked through, God. We ask this morning that you would just have your way in this service, God, as we cry out to you, Lord. Father, just send your presence here to envelop each and every one of us this morning, God, in a new way, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Those are just not words that they wrote into the song. Those are biblical promises that the Father spoke, that He is a way maker. He's a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and a light in our darkness that will guide us through the path if we just let Him. So know this morning that as you sing those, you are singing those over your spirit. So whatever you need or whatever you're asking, just put those words in for yourself. He's the way maker of what I'm asking for. He's the miracle worker for that situation that seems so impossible. He's the way maker for that. Even if we don't see it, he's already got it planned out. He's a promise keeper. So if he gives you a word or if you ask him for something, the word says that whatever we ask, he will give it to us. So he's a promise keeper. So no word that you ask of him is going to go back void if you say it biblically, which is a way maker and a miracle worker and a promise keeper. So we're going to sing that one more time and just put those in your life. He's my way maker. He's my miracle worker. He's my promise keeper. Jesus, we worship you this morning. We thank you, Father, that we can stand on the truth, God, that you are our way maker, God. That even though our situation may look bleak, Father, you are the miracle worker. And you will keep the promise that you have given to us, Lord, whether it's over our family, over our children, over our finances, over our marriage, Father, whatever the situation is, you are the way maker. We worship you. We trust you this morning.
Thank you, Lord, for being my way maker. Thank you, Lord, for being every person in this room's way maker. Because we all sure need a way maker. You know, that song was what we, we were singing that he never stops working. I, I have a little trouble with that. I hate I hate to ask that of him. But I, I when I just started kind of to pray in response to that little phrase that I think the Holy Spirit was just bringing to my heart. I said, Lord, I need you to never stop working. My soul needs so much help. I, it's a forever job for you. I, I, I've, got, I've got needs every moment, every hour, every day, and I need to know you're, you're working on me. You're working on me. You're working on my problems. You're working on my my troubles. I, I, I need you, Lord, every hour of every single day. Thank God you're available. Thank God you care about us. You know, he told, he, he told us this, and this is a verse from Philippians 4, verses 7 and 8. It says, uh, be anxious for nothing. It's not a verse that people uh, really catch a hold of right, right quick because we're anxious all the time. We're used to being anxious. We're, in fact, we're pretty good at being anxious. We, We've learned how to, how to handle it. We, we get anxious over all kinds of problems. But he said, don't be anxious for anything. But in everything, here's your formula, here's what you do. With prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So instead of being anxious, that, that, that would have made you anxious. Instead of being anxious over it, give it to God. A, a phrase just occurred to me some time back, and, and I, every time I think of that verse, which I think of it very, very often, it's one of those verses like I preached about last Sunday that, that changes you on the inside. When, when it gets a word in your heart, it just it becomes what you are. So every time I'm, I get anxious, I'm, I remember that verse, and I know that what I'm doing, what, what I need to do is, is already described for me. Put it, in, put it in God's hands. That's what he said. Give him thanks, praise him, trust him, Put it in his hands. Just like we used to when we were kids when we gave it to our parents because we couldn't handle it. God wants you to put it in his hands, whatever's making you anxious right now. Well, if, if you need a healing in your body, put it in his hands. If you need a financial miracle, put it in his hands. If you've got a relationship that's really causing chaos and a mess, or, or you've got, you've got a, a problem with your business, or you've got a problem uh, with, with whatever, your, your pet, put it in his hands. Will you do that right now? Will, will we choose, Lord, instead of being anxious, we're going to put every one, of, every one of the things that would have made us anxious in your mighty, big, awesome hands. After all, you are the way maker, and you never stop working. Lord, I know right now you're present, Lord, for us to put our needs and our troubles and our worries 
and, and those things that are way beyond our control, but they trouble us deeply and we're anxious over them. Lord, we, we obey your word right now and we just put it in your mighty hands. Lord, we've seen what in the scripture, we've read in the gospels what your hands can do. Lord, your hands can, can heal the lepers. Lord, your hands can make a way through the wilderness. Lord, your, your hands can do anything, God. And we, we thank you for the hands that, that you allowed to be nailed to the cross for us to provide us salvation, Lord. Your hands, your hands can take care of our troubles today. I believe you, Lord, that your hands are placed upon those that are sick. And I believe you, Lord, that your hands are placed upon those who, who don't know the direction they need to be taking. They're, they're wandering around. They're troubled. And Lord, they need direction. They need a, a revelation from you. We put it in your hands, Lord. Instead of being anxious, this is going to be a room filled with people that are not anxious, but we're trusting in you and we're glorifying you and we're worshiping you because you're our way maker, Lord. Here now and forevermore you will be. And we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You, you, might, you, you might want to be seated since you've been standing since for a while. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks to those of you who are stepping out with the kids, taking the kids over to kids ministry, BGMC Sunday over there. Don't you appreciate the people who work with the children's ministry? How many of you have ever worked with children's ministry? I, I, I figured it'd probably be about half the congregation at some point. You were a Sunday school teacher or a children's church worker. Thank God. You know, it, the church is probably our our primary, our first responsibility is pass faith to the next generation. If we, if we don't do anything else, pass faith to the next generation. Well, we, we've, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of kids that their parents, maybe even their parents' parents dropped out of church and kids are being raised without being in church. So we've got to try to reach them too. Amen? But, and, pay, and when we think of the next generation, let's don't just think of our kids. Let's think of everybody's kids because if they don't get a chance to hear the gospel, they might as well have been raised in a land that, where they're waiting on a missionary. But this is not that land. There's churches on every corner. And we, we know who, who the answer is. Amen? Yes. Our job is to take the gospel to the next generation. Am I, I think I'm supposed to invite you up for an announcement. Is, is that planned for another part of the service? Can you do it? Come on right now. Let's, Randy, come on up here. And I understand there's an announcement you're making. From the uh, pulpit committee or something. And is there a microphone up here that. Oh, yeah. I want you to use a microphone, please. So, so that they're hearing it on, online and everything because they're all watching this. So use that mic. It's not on. Is it, do I need to turn it on? See, that's why I don't need a mic. I can't even operate it. I bet that's it. I bet that guy. Is that it now? Yes. A couple of things I want to tell you today. Uh, first of all, I want to say a great big thank you to all the people on the pulpit committee that have been spending literally hours in prayer, probably sleepless nights in prayer, and hours in meetings on behalf of God and behalf of this church. And that means all y'all on behalf of y'all. So I want to thank them for that. They're doing a lot of work. And, uh, Amen. Amen. 
coming to the finish line, but also I want to thank all of y'all because y'all have been very, very patient. Uh, I've got to say that there's probably people out there that feels like, well, what are y'all doing? <laughs> and, and I'll just tell you right now, anybody that wants this job next time, come get mine. <laughs> this has been the hardest job and the most important job yeah. that I have ever done. And uh -huh. it's, to be honest with you, boy, it takes a toll on you mentally, and that takes a toll on you physically. So we are working on your behalf. Believe me. Okay, now for a little bit of an update, how many of y'all have ever gone and gotten a car with the kids and the first thing out of their mouth was, are we there yet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're not there yet, but we're getting really, really close. So we have interviewed, we have uh, made an offer to a gentleman and his family, and he has accepted it. But we have uh, paperwork that needs to be put in place from the district association and from the, I guess, the general national council. association, general mm -hmm. association. And Brother Ron has, has been on that committee before, and he kind of says that this is going to take somewhere between two and three weeks. Is that mm -hmm. appropriate? Okay, so we are around the corner from Grandma's house. Yeah, <laughs> we're close. <laughs> we're not there yet, but we're getting there. And I feel like uh, when we get to that point that you guys are going to really be excited about what we have for you. Amen. And it's like I said, it's been through hours of prayer and hours of work. But I just want you all to know that we are working on it. And just be a little bit more patient and we'll be there. And I thank every one of you all for your patience. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Randy. Well said. Very well said. Thank you. Thank you. Ushers, would you come please and let's worship the Lord with the giving of our tithes and offering this morning. As a, as a demonstration to the Lord of our, our trust in Him, He told us to tithe, and sometimes that takes, an, that takes a lot of faith because it takes a lot of sacrifice. But if you'll trust God, he will prove trustworthy. Take him at his word. Take him at his word. And so I know that that, I'm not, I'm not asking you to do that because I just said so, but because God said so. But I, I'm asking you to do this. Let's do it joyfully. God loves a cheerful giver. I think I probably already said it to you. He'll take it from a grouch. But he loves a cheerful giver. And, and I think that makes sense because a cheerful giver is, is, is trusting him, saying, what a privilege to bring this to you, Lord. What a privilege to bring you an offering this morning, Lord. What a privilege to serve a church that, that reaches out to meet the spiritual needs of a community. What a, what a wonderful privilege, Lord, that you've put something in us and, and in our charge, and we're stewards, and we can invest it in your kingdom's work. What a joy. What a delight. Lord, may you see the joy and delight in our heart, the love for you expressed as we put, it, put offering in this morning for your glory, for your church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to each one of you. Give. God bless you.
Amen. Thank you, musicians. Thank you. I, I agreed with what Randy said about thank you to the pulpit committee. Amen. Uh, but really, all of you who are members of the church have the same responsibility on you because the pastor is elected by the, by the church body. The, the pulpit committee's job was to, to uh, hear from God about the candidates, receive resumes, prayerfully consider each, one, each and every one of them, uh, pray and ask for guidance. You've been praying for them, and, and they've done their, their job as diligently as they know how to do. It's, it's as humanly possible. They, they tried to be spirit-led. But it's not over until you elect, until your, your vote says from the church body that we affirm this is God's will. But what, what we've been, uh, what we, what we are, are, are having to do is consider this just like the pulpit committee did. They have to get their own personal feelings out of the way and not make this a human decision because, hey, I, I like the way this guy looks or I, I like the way, uh, I like that he has kids or, or whatever, whatever the reason might be that, that, uh, that we, we figure from a human perspective. I think God put the story in the Old Testament about Samuel going to anoint David just for purposes like this, because even Samuel, a prophet, was being misled. The first one he saw uh, of, of Jesse's sons uh, was, was a boy. Obviously, that's him. I, he was struck, you know, and, and, but he was surprised to hear the Holy Spirit saying, that's not him. And he went through all of Jesse's sons, and you know, you know the story how how that David wasn't even there. But David was the one the Lord wanted to anoint to be the king over Israel. And, 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 and only when they had, the Lord had not instructed him to, to uh, uh, anoint any of the sons of, of Jesse. He had sent him there. One of the sons of Jesse is going to be anointed. He said, I don't understand. I, the, the, none of these are it. Do you have another son? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's one of them out with the sheep. But yes, go, go get, go get. What was his name? David. Go, go get David. And uh, David comes back in and God opens that. I, I heard it expressed one time by they put the anointing oil on top of him and then it just opened up and flooded on him because it was the, it was the one the Lord had anointed to be the king. Now, I don't know where they got that out of the scripture, but I thought it was a beautiful illustration, don't you? But, uh, but it, here, here's, the, here's the point to that that I'm, I'm making before I go to my sermon. It's a spiritual decision. It's a spiritual decision. And so try to, try to prepare yourself for when the time comes and the business meeting is declared, the vote is going to be taken by, by everybody in the church. Let's, you know, it, let's, let's, let's let the Lord show us the spiritual decision that he wants us to make so that we, we vote together. I think if, we, if we're in the, in the flesh, we can never agree very much. But if we get in the spirit, we can agree a lot. Because there's only one God and He's a way maker. He, he, we can put our trust in Him and, and what He's put in our heart to do. He can bring us into unity, into oneness, where we can stay in oneness. We can work together. That way we can make a decision spiritually led and we can live out that decision spiritually led because the church is spiritual. No, it's not news to anybody, is it? Jesus was spiritual. He was very spiritual. He, yes, he had a body. Yes, yes, he, 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 uh, he, he, could, he did things, you know, that we can describe as, as we're human. But, but the, the, the big thing about Jesus is he came from, from God with this incredible mission he had to accomplish, a spiritual mission. And so 
let, let's, let's just allow God to prepare us spiritually for that, that time when it comes. It's a few weeks away, maybe. I don't know. We, we don't know. You'll know. That, believe me, they're, they're ready. They want to tell you. They want it to get here as fast as you do. But let's, let's trust the Lord that, that he's, he's binding our hearts together in one accord and that spiritually we're going to be led to cast the ballot that reflects the will of God. And then we're going to be able to give ourselves completely to making that, that selection uh, work. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of like getting married. I, I, I chose to marry her. But then ever since I married her, I got to make it work. And she does too. Every day. We, we have to make it. We've been making it work for 50 years. And it, it's, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's a little more difficult, especially for her. But uh, it, it, that, that's what marriage is. Make a decision, then make the decision work. And that's the same thing. We, we got in the Spirit to make the decision. They were in the Spirit as they were led by the Spirit. You know, th- th- I, bet, I bet there were some of them that would confess uh, that's not what my flesh wanted to do, but I, 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 they reached a, a together decision. Don't you respect them for that? That they, they came to a conclusion that this is the will of God. And, and so when, when that is brought before us, we do that same thing as a congregation. We, we, we converge together. We, we, we take arm in arm. We come heart to heart, and we make a decision together, spirit-led. And then watch God empower us to make that spirit, make that decision work in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you look, you looked at me funny when I said it's spiritual. I think I might not write, I need to write a sermon on that. Cause I'm not sure you understood what I meant. You know, we are, we are mental creatures. We're emotional creatures. We're physical creatures and we're also spiritual creatures. Same way Jesus, when it says Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he was, he, was, uh, he grew in wisdom, that's mental, and stature, that's physical, and in favor with God, that's spiritual, and favor with man, that's social. And uh, that, I learned that in Royal Rangers, if you don't know where I learned that, Royal Rangers. Uh, but uh, the truth is, the spiritual need that we have is so much greater than all the other needs. And God is able to reveal to us all that we need in the spirit realm, all that we need in the spirit realm. In the spirit realm is where we're going to get, that's really where we have a relationship with God in the spiritual realm because we discern him, we, we hear him, we worship him in the spirit. And, uh, and just, just be excited. In other words, I guess I want to say this. Don't think that when I tell you it's spiritual, that makes it hard. Really, that makes it easier because that's up to God. If, it's, if it was physical, if it was emotional, if it was discerning, then we'd really have our, t- our work cut out for us. How, how are we going to make that happen? But it's really not that. It's spiritual. And where, where God will, will help you, God will put, put, put that in our hearts and our minds. He'll put a peace. He guides me a lot with putting peace in my heart over, over the things that are His will. I, I had to, I, all, all the time of my ministry, from the time that I said yes, I, I lived at Hilton when I was called to the ministry at about 16 years old or so, and probably about 18 when, by the time the Lord really confirmed that call, I started feeling the call a couple of years before I surrendered to it, and I embraced it. Uh, and, uh, uh, but uh, I hope I didn't lose my, what I, where I was going with that. 
Hmm. I think I did. <laughs> I'm going to leave you hanging for a minute. Uh, oh, I know what it was. It was, it was once, I, once I said yes to the ministry, then I had to make a decision, what's God's will for me right, right now? To, and, I, and I felt led. I was supposed to go. In fact, he woke me up in the middle of the night and said, go to Southwestern. And uh, I didn't know how where Southwestern was. But the next morning, I got up and called my boss and said, I won't be at, I won't be at work today because I've, I've, I've got something else I need to do. I'll probably end up losing that job over that. But anyway, I, I, I couldn't wait to obey the Lord. And I got down to Southwestern that morning uh, at about 10 minutes, 20 minutes till 10. Chapel started at 10. They said, why don't you go in chapel? And the same, same Lord that had, had been speaking to me in the middle of the night uh, was there to say to me, this is where I want you. And listen to what else he said. This is where I want you. And when I get ready for you to go somewhere else, I'll tell you. And every place that I've been since then, every place that we lived, we lived in Waxahachie for for, for th those four years, and then, and then to uh, the first youth pastor, and the second, and then I was a, a youth pastor three different places. And the Lord told me every one of them, every one of them, I, they all overlapped with each other. I never, I never have been unemployed even for a day so, uh, my whole life because the Lord had t told me where to go. He told me where to go when I left youth pastoring, to, where to go to pastor. And, and he led me to Edmond. I spent 33 years there. And he led me to hand my church off to a younger leader. And he's, he's been guiding me the last two years. I, I'm just saying that, that spiritual, uh, spirit, a spirit-led life is what we all really want to seek and find. Because the Lord knows where we need to be. The Lord knows uh, how to lead us in a, in a spiritual way through a a life that's lived in a body and with emotions and all that other stuff, a part of it. But the, the, the thing that makes it all align with the will of God is to be led by the Spirit. So just think of that as easier. It, it, I, I could have never figured out where to live, where to go to be a youth. I, I would have made a mess. Who knows? I, I might have even called them up and said, what do you pay? You know, I never had to ask that once because it, the Lord just said, go there and he's, he's my provider. So it always worked out. It always worked out. Uh, but don't, don't think that be, being spirit-led is hard. It's easier than trying to figure it out in human, with, human in, with human inability and, and make a mess, make messes all the time because we were trying to lead with our flesh and what, what we wanted. Lord, show us how to be led by the Spirit in everything we do. Show us how to be led by the Spirit in everything in our life and our family and, and our work. Lord, how, how to follow you, how to follow your whispers, how to follow your, your, your gentle nudging and guiding us. Lord, how to, how to follow those words that just come in our spirit to show us that you're a way maker and we want to go your way, the way you make for us, Lord. Give us that wisdom to follow you and trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the verse that I want to bring you this morning, Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Uh, it, it, the Revelation 2 is where the, uh, um, the Lord begins to speak to the church. And he admonishes first the church at Ephesus. There were seven churches in Asia that while, while John was on the Isle of Patmos, he'd been, he'd been uh, uh, secluded there by, by those who wanted to kill him, but hadn't been able to, to, to kill him. So they just put him out there kind of in prison on that island. But there he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and the Lord gave him these messages for seven Asia churches. I, I believe that he did this not just for those churches. Obviously, he, he had it put into the book of Revelation and the gospel's been, uh, you know, included uh, the, the, the New Testament 
that tells the gospel has gone all over the world. So these messages were for the church and every generation all over the world. And, and we're, we're to get instruction from them. And this is the very first church that he's speaking to. And the very first word of instruction that he speaks to them is, is what I'm preaching to you this morning. I, I'm, I'm going to back up and read verses 2, start, start at verse 2, but then verse 4 and 5 are my text. With this letter, excuse me, I, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work. This is what the Lord says to this church at Ephesus. I've seen you work hard. I've seen, I've seen you and your patient endurance. And I know you don't tolerate evil people who, who you, you examine the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. In other words, you, you, you've really been diligent to be spirit-led and, and not let people that are in the flesh who say they're apostles uh, mislead you down the wrong road. You, and he was, he was bragging on them about that. And he said, you have discovered they are liars and you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Wow. That perseverance, that, that even in per suffering persecution, they, they hadn't uh, thrown in the towel. And the Lord is blessing them with these words. But I have this complaint against you. But I have this complaint against you. And, and it, it, he says that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do your first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, that's the New Living Translation. Maybe you had a, had a Bible open in front of you that was the New King James or New American Standard or uh, one of the message. You, you, yours might have read differently, but it says the same thing. All the translations are translated from the same uh, original language sources. And it's just different words of, of com communicating the message that was, that was in those original autographs, those original writings. Uh, by, by, in this case, it was John on the Isle of Patmos. But here we have, the, the, we have the words that the Lord spoke to that church at Ephesus. Yes, the Lord wants to commend us for our hard work. Yes, He wants to commend us when we, when we are careful about who our leaders is and somebody that is a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing doesn't, doesn't mislead us. And we, 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 we like, like the things we've been talking about this morning. He's, he's going he's to be, be excited for us when we endure hardships, but we patiently endure them and we, and we don't throw in the towel. We don't, we don't quit and give up on God. He, he, he wants to say those things to us, but He also wants to say to us, when it's true that you've left your first love. He wants you to know it if, if uh, your love has slipped away. If you've dropped out of loving him like you did at the beginning. It matters to him. It matters to him that not just that you're his disciple. Not just that you... You claim to be with your words and with your mouth. You say, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. And maybe you even attend church and, and you don't drop out of that. A lot of people who lose their first love do drop out of church because, you know, church, church is high maintenance. It's, uh, it's, uh, you have to, have to go, you know, when at times that it, these times roll around, all this stuff. You can look at it negatively if you want to as a heavy burden. But if you love the Lord... It's, a, it's not a heavy burden anymore. It's, it's being with the family of God, and it's, and it's a whole different perspective. But every, it really makes a difference if, whether you love Him or not. It matters to the Lord. 
if, he, if you love him. It matters to the Lord how much you love him. Do you love him like you loved him at first? And the reason he says that is because we all, we all know the feeling of what first love is. It, your, your heart just kind of, just wow. You know, you're, I haven't feel, felt this feeling. I, when, when you fell in love, I, when I fell in love with Marsha, I, I don't know if I felt, we started going together when we were both 15. I don't know if we fell in love that, that year or sometime in the next year or two. But we grew to be really in love, and, and, and we got married in our, in our first love. And I, I think she expects me to continue in my first love. We're talking about making your decision work. This will make it work if you stay alive in that first love. I, I often have said, because I married, I, have, I did a lot of weddings over the years, and, and, uh, and then I'd, I'd end up counseling people, you know, when they were having marriage problems later on. And uh, I remember really, really early on, one of the first revelations that came to me was, if you'll just go back and do what you were doing when you were courting, <laughs> if you just go back and do that same, everything you were doing then, go do it again and see if your love, because basically what I was saying, that first love just needs to be rekindled, doesn't it? If, if you spent an hour or two on the phone, which Marsha and I did, we need to do that again. We, we need to spend time communicating. We need, to, we need to fall in each other's arms and embrace each other. We need, we, we need, we need to not just let, let be distracted by her being a mom and me having a job. And we need to go back and court again and, 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 and explain to each other how much we need each other and how valuable we are to each other like we did during those first uh, four and a half years of our courtship before we got married. But that, I think this is what the Lord's saying to us, don't you? He wants you just electrified with love for him, with love because you, you heard the gospel that, that he came from heaven. He is God who came in the flesh and became a human being. And he came to, to give life abundant to everybody who would be his followers. He came to go to the cross for us and bear our sin, our, our guilt of our sin, and pay the penalty of our, our death penalty. The wages of sin is death. He, he, was, he, he was going to the cross. He went to the cross to pay for our death penalty so that we could believe in him and trust in him. And, and, and as he resurrected from the dead, we are alive. Alive also in Him. The gospel is, is so wonderful that when you really meet Jesus, you fall in love with Him. You love uh, everything about Him. You love that, that He loves you, and He promised, I will never stop loving you. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Uh, I, that's what it says in Romans. You can dive into his word and read about him and become a student and just learn and learn and learn of him and learn that he is he is meek and lowly. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. How much he loves you and he bends over backwards to, 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 to be there for you every single time you need him. He's there. He's there. He's a, he's a, a, a I start to say a phone call away. We don't have to have a phone though. Just, I think he even knows our thoughts. He knows what we're thinking, but, but we, can, we, can, uh, we can go ahead and express those thoughts to him, and he'll, he'll care for us through it all. Why is it necessary for us to love Jesus? Why is it necessary? That's what this message is about. And I hope the Lord will help us receive it, not from a preacher, not, not from, uh, not from the, the foolishness of preaching, but that the revelation, that the Holy Spirit will just give you a revelation why the Lord wants you still in the passion of your first love, in the, in the excitement of your first love for Jesus. 
But I guess that happened for me as a, as a child. That's when I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I, 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 was, I remember that. And I'm, that's wonderful to think that now I know I'm going to heaven. Now I know that my sins are forgiven. And, and I don't have to worry about it because I, I've, been, I've been welcomed into the family of God. He, he accepted me just because I, I believed and I asked and received him. He's mine. He's my Savior right now. It was, it was so easy, I guess. That, that's why I fell in love with him first. It was so simple. It was so, he, he didn't require something of me that was way beyond my capacity even as a child. Well, he, he, uh, he began to change my life. And, and taught me to, to not say some of the things I was saying and, and, and do some of the things I was doing. And, he, and, he, and he, as he governed my life, I, I fell in love with him because those were habits I would have never known to break. Those were, those were, those were entanglements for me. And, and throughout my life, he's been willing to be my discipler. He gave me the Holy Spirit to, to, to know what it is to know his will and do it and, and to encourage me all the time. And everything that he does just reminds me of why I started out loving him and I better not ever drift away from loving him. But, but you know, it does happen that people let their love for him grow cold. They, and really, I need to point something out. He said, you've left your first love. Uh, and, and I often think of that only as my love for him but saying it like that, not saying your love for me, he was probably including our love for others. When you get saved and you find him as, as so worthy of your love, you not only love him, but like he told you to do, you begin to love others. Your love goes beyond just, just loving him because he's perfect and he's wonderful and, and he's gracious. Your love as his child is that you love everybody. You love your neighbor as yourself. You love. And God never wants you to lose your first love, that the part of that love that loves him and the part of that love that, that causes you to love unlovable people, people that are mean to you, even your enemies. You'll pray for them and love them. And you'll, and you'll forgive people who offend you instead of living your life, uh, uh, you know, just disgusted with them. You hate them. You, you're bitter toward them. And, and, and you're all kinds of uh, messed up because of you've been mistreated. And that happens to a lot of people. But God doesn't want that. He wants you to have a first love that's so strong, so powerful as a child of God that, that you do what he said. You love your neighbor as yourself. You love those who, who, who uh, despitefully use you and, and even abuse you. You love them. And you, and you reciprocate their, their meanness with with gentleness and with love and compassion, with soft answers that turn away wrath, and on and on. The church at Ephesus probably had become uh, a somewhat religious and, and judgmental and works-oriented. I mean, the, some of the things you see that he was commending them for doing, for, for, for uh, examining the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not, and, and you know, they had to deal with all that, and they probably became a little proud, and, but, but just kind of rolled into a religious system of, of this, is, this is what we do. Yes, the Lord's at the heart of it, but, uh, but somewhere, somehow in that they, they lost what it was really all about, this, this relationship, this love between their Savior and them. This love that, that baptized our life when we became Christians. 
somehow it's, it's easy to lose the relational side of what it means to be in Christ. There's a, there's a relationship, and that he puts 100%, 100% of, of, your, uh, of uh, your, your becoming a child of God and, and fulfilling the will of God in your life. It, it's all out of the relationship. You, you, start, you start withdrawing your love from him and, and getting involved in the system of, of, of religion, and this is what we do, this is what we don't do, and, this is, and I'm trying to be the best I can at it. I'm, I'm even trying to bring other people in on it. This is what we do, this is what we don't do. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, you, you've lost the relationship, and, and you really don't realize it, but, but the Lord is, is crying out to you, you've left your first love. Where, where's the relationship? Where's your devotion to me? Where, where, is you, where is it the time that you want to just spend with me? Where is it the time that you really just sat down to open His Word because you want to learn of me? And, and you, your heart is open and receptive and you, because I, you want to hear me. You want to hear my voice. Can, can you go a day without hearing His voice? Can, can you go a day without feeling his warm embrace? Can, can you go a single day without a, a conversation with him and, and telling him thank you and tell, telling him how much you, you, you need him and you trust him and you love him and, and, you, uh, and you worship him, you praise him? That, that's, that's the relationship, with, that's the relationship side of, uh, that we, we can never think we're on the right track unless that relationship side is What's guiding us? I'm saying it the best way I can, but I hope the Holy Spirit's saying it to you even better than I'm saying it. Here's one of the ways the Holy Spirit described love. He put a whole chapter in the Bible to talk about it, 1 Corinthians 13. The first three verses of that are pretty potent. They're pretty potent. I, I want to read them to you. In the New King James Version, is that what's going to be on the screen, New King James, like it's in the notes? Though I speak with tongues, with the tongue of men, and of angels, yes, that's it, but have not love. Let's read that over. Though I speak with the tongues, tongue of men and of angels. That's speaking in tongues right there, right? Because that's what the previous chapter, chapter 12, and the following chapter, chapter 14, they're all about the gifts of the Spirit. And, and basically what he's saying in, in the 13th chapter is that he, he, he names most of the gifts of the Spirit again in this chapter and says, like, like now he's talking about praying in tongues or, or speaking in tongues. Do I speak in tongues, even, even angelic languages, but don't have love? I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Wow, that's way out there. That nothing, I mean, I'm wiser than Solomon and I've got, I've got revelation of everything that's happening in the spirit realm and everything. All, all this knowledge that the, the Lord has revealed to my heart, the gifts of knowledge, the gift of prophecy. He's talking about those right here. And though, and, and though I have all faith, the gift of faith to do miracles so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. With all that, I am nothing. Unless... Love is present in my heart. Love is showing in my choices. Love is, is showing in my pursuit of relationship with God and relationship with people. Because he said that's, 
I'll get to that in just a moment. That, that's, that's the sum of what I've, I've asked you to do. And then verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and I give my body to be burned as a martyr, but have not love, it profits me nothing. I think the Holy Spirit did a really good job describing it's all about first love. I, I think the only reason he chose the words first love is because he's just talking about the most powerful, the most sincere, the most genuine, the most, your, your heart was willing to love. You know, you don't love because of a feeling. You love because of a decision, a choice that you make. You choose what you love. You say, well, now that's not true. I, I'm attracted. Yes, you, you're, you're attracted to all kinds of stuff. I'm attracted to Corvettes, but I've never owned one. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you make the decision what you're going to love because your love costs you something. I, I, that's why I haven't had a Corvette, I guess. I've spent it on other things. But, uh, but, but your every, every decision to love empties the tank. If, you, if I decide to love Marsha, I, I have to give her, I, 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 have, to, I have to prove it with my, my giving. I have to love her, and, and uh, I have to show that, show, I have to continue that choice. That's what it is. Love is a choice. And so God can call on you to love like your first love because it is your choice whether to do so or not. It is your choice whether to decide to love Him supremely, to love Him more than you love yourself, more than you love your parents, more than you love your wife, more than you love your children, more than you love your grandchildren. That's really saying something right there. More, more than you love anything in the world or all of it put together. But uh, you love him more. That is your choice. That is the choice that he says is reasonable and right for you to make. You'll never regret making that choice. But if, in fact, you, you allow, like, like what he was speaking to the, the church at, at, at Ephesus doing, uh, if you get to the place where, you, where, where your, your love got cold and, and less and less deeply felt and, and less and less of you was deciding to love, you were just going through the motions, uh, then, then you're, you're going to feel the absence of that relationship. And God's going to remind you. He's going to reach out to you. He's going to try to bring you back. He's going to try to rescue you from the things that you loved that attracted you away from Him. Oh, yeah, well, you're definitely attracted. There's, there are things all the time that attract you. Pornography attracts a lot of people, but the Lord doesn't want anybody going there. Anybody. It will destroy your life. Lying sometimes sounds really like the, uh, the easy choice to go, but... God doesn't want you to go there because it costs too much. Love, I don't know that lying would ever be something we'd love, but I'm, I'm just saying that there are things that attract us, and, and especially things in this world that attract us. And he said to us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. In other words, what else you choose to love, except that what God tells you to love, Will, will in fact interfere and, dist and distract you from loving Him supremely. You, you'll take away from that love of Him to share it with the things of the world. And God doesn't want that to happen. Uh, here's another uh, scripture that I want to share with you so that the Holy Spirit can say what I'm trying to say. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is most important, the most important commandment in the law of Moses? 
And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is all the way back in Deuteronomy. Moses said it. I'll show you about three times that he said it in Deuteronomy. You must love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, Jesus said, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. What those two statements have in common is love. You are a person who has been born again into the family of God. And in the family of God, this is what we do predominantly. We love. We don't hate, except that we hate, uh, we hate what's, what, what the devil has done, what the devil does. We, we hate sin and, and evil, but, but, we, but we love. We are people who love. Don't love things and use people. Love people and use things. God wants you to get that, get that right. Love people. Love people and, and love God and, and don't love things. Just use things. Don't get attached to things. Don't fill your life with love of things. Maybe another reason I don't have a Corvette, but that kind of condemns some of you who do, so I'm not saying that. That, that was just me. That was me. That was me. But this is, this is why he said. Second is equally to it. Like, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law, this is so powerful. This verse ought to, ought to rock your world. The entire law, all the Old Testament, and all the demands of the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament, are based on these two commandments. That is shocking. What he said is shocking. Uh, So for Jesus to say that, that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, uh, that really means that this is the sum of all divine revelation and responsibility. Everything God reveals to us and all that he expects of us can be fulfilled when you love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. That is shocking. And it almost sounds like an oversimplification. If I had, if I had been the one to come up with that, I would be afraid. I probably oversimplified it. But the Lord's the one that came up with it, so you don't have to worry about it being oversimplified. He's telling you he's a way maker. This is the way. This is the way. You love God with all your heart. You love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me that if, in fact, these two commands of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, it, they summarize all that God expects of us and wants for us and, and expects and, and what he wants from us. All of these things will come. It, it describes success his way. That, that means we should study this until we master it or it masters us. I, I mean, we should study what it means to love God with all our heart. We should study what it means to love our neighbors ourselves because the Lord said in doing so, we're, we're going to be on the right way. We're going to be on the path that leads to life, righteousness, that the, the will of God is going to be happening in our life. If we'll, if we'll really be students and we really want to learn what it means to love God with all our heart and all our soul, all our might and our neighbor as ourselves. Think of it as the key that he gave you that unlocks everything he wants to give you. No wonder, no wonder Jesus said to, to the church at Ephesus, one thing I've, I'm really troubled about is you've, you've drifted from your first love. No, no, no wonder he said that because love is so big. The reason 
He knew, he knew what it was going to cost them. He, he knew what it was going to cost him because they were one of his primary uh, original churches, and, and he wanted them not off track. He, he wasn't just sending this to this church. He was sending it to all seven churches, and every one of the churches since then, he's sending it to us all. That's why it's right up front of the message because a lot of us only read the first third of a book, you know. But, hey, we got this message right quick because the Lord wants us to see this is the way you succeed. This is the way you succeed. It, it's the key that unlocks everything He wants to do in your life, everything He wants to see you accomplish, everything He wants to give you and bless you with. It's the key. What's the key? Loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself. Yes, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy the 6th chapter, the 10th chapter, and the 30th chapter. It was there three times. You know, all, all that Deuteronomy is, it's, real, it's one of the easiest books to understand. They, they, they've been through all the wilderness wandering. He's, he's, he's put up with that 40 years of, of that generation that was doubters to, to die off. But, and, and he's been leading them during that whole 40 years. And now at the end, they're about to go into the promised land. The Lord is preparing them. And, uh, and, and Moses made aware that he's not going to get to go in the promised land. Joshua's going to be doing that. But he's preaching to them. He's preached, and his, his, uh, whole, the whole book of Deuteronomy is his sermon. Before they go into the promise. So he, he recollects all the way back to the law and, and pieces of it. And, and, and he's just preaching them chapter after chapter. It's beautiful. And in the sixth chapter, he said, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That's the verse that Jesus quoted when they asked him, what's the greatest of all the commandments? He, commoted, he, he, he quoted uh, God giving that to Moses when he was preaching that sermon to the people of Israel. And then the 10th chapter, verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and your soul. I don't think, I don't think there's, I, I'm, not, I'm not off base to tell you. This is what God wants, Emma. We're, we're seeing it Old Testament, New Testament. It's the will of God. It's what He wants. We, we, we need to make sure we haven't fallen asleep at the wheel. And we haven't just become religious. And we haven't become routine. We haven't, be, we haven't become uh, uh, intoxicated with, with the things that, 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 w that we get involved with in the church. And, oh, my, it's so easy to get off track and forget it's all about this altar. It's all about your own personal altar. It's all about your own personal uh, weeping in His presence and, and adoring Him with all of your heart. It's all about just drawing near to Him and not just led by, uh, by, by the worship team. Julian does a wonderful job, but you don't have advantage of that all week, except Joe does. But, we, but the rest of us... The rest of us, we, we have to find a way to, to let God stimulate worship. Let, let, let something inside us, maybe it's a, some music we listen to, but maybe there's no music at all, but it's the Holy Spirit just reminding you how much God loves you and how much you, you are blessed to be His child and, and how much He desires to be loved by you. Oh, that, that, that's, that's the heart. That's the, in fact, I grew up, I grew up thinking, I, I got to read you the, the, the other chapter. Chapter 30, verse 6, the Lord will change your heart and your heart and the hearts of your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul and you, and, and you may live. In other words, uh, he'll help us love him with all our heart. He's, he's, our, he's our divine assistant to do it. He's in, he enables us to do it. I grew up thinking, I don't think I grew up aware that and I'm not blaming my pastors or my parents, anybody. I just think that this, is my, this was my, my reasoning was doing to me. I thought 
the, the greatest commandment that would fulfill all the Old and New Testament, everything that God expected me, if I would obey, if I would just do what he said, if I, if I, the more I, I would, I'm, I'm just trying to say it, live a sinless life. Um, I, I thought if I just, if I just do what the Bible tells me to do and what the Spirit of God convicts me to do, and that, 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 was, what, that was my journey. It was, it was my journey for years. And I, I, am, I remember at one point I asked the Lord, where did you teach us to quit sinning? Where, where did you show me where, where you in the New Testament, I've, I've told you that, I, I get these questions and I say, God, would you show me where it says the Bible you were, you were crucified? And I found that when I was a kid. But, but Lord, show me where you taught me how to quit sinning. Show me the, the secret you had that kept you from sinning. And you know what? If it didn't lead right back to this, this exactly what I'm talking to you this morning, the Lord put in my heart, just look in there. And I saw that Jesus loved the Father. He loved his heavenly Father. And he said, everything I do is because that's what the Holy, that's what God told me to do. It's what my father told me to do. He adored his father. He loved his father. I believe that's why he, that's why he was in such travail at Gethsemane because he knew that becoming sin, that that moment would come when he would say, Father, why have you forsaken me? He, he might not have known those words, but he knew that sin separates from God. And this is not, this has never happened in, in the Trinity, the divine, eternally past Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And now one of them is going to, to, to cry out the strange words, why have you forsaken me? But it just shows how much Jesus loved the Father. He loved the Father, and the Lord told me that is the secret to overcoming sin. That's the secret to giving you victory. It's not, not can I obey, can I be obedient? Jesus said it to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. He, he basically is connecting the, the, the obedience issue. It'll, it'll flow out of loving me. It will flow out of loving me. It, it, it will happen naturally if you love me like I loved my father and Jesus, it worked for him. He lived a sinless life. But at the core of his sinless life was the fact that he did what he's telling us to do. He loved God with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind and his strength. And he loved his neighbor as himself. And, and God accomplished, he made his life very fruitful. And so will he, your life, my life, everybody's life, who will take him at his word and allow him to show you what it really means to be in a first love type relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. You really love him. So, Lord, how can we all get there? I'm, I've run out of time to preach. So let's just turn this part over to the Holy Spirit. And, and I would like to send you on the same quest I'm on. Lord, would you show me how to love you more? Would you show me how, what, what, what are the things that interfere with your love? What are the attractions in my life that, that need to be canceled? They need to be cut off. They, they need to be separated from, from being uh, 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 in my reach. That, that, that pornography, I, I, I don't know why I brought that up. I didn't plan on talking about it today. But, but pornography, uh, over the years, it's a, it's a battle that 
I, all, I think all men, boys, are, are, are confronted with to, to fight that battle. And, and, but it's now it, it is, it is an issue that for, for girls and young women too. But the secret that God showed me, whether it was pornography that would, would, act, would come through cable TV or, or uh, something that was in print or whatever, uh, I, had to, I had to sever it for it was not available to me. It couldn't be anywhere that my fingertips could find it or that my eyes could find it. I have to, I remember uh, there was a, a, I had a cable TV when I lived in Enid and, and, and there was a, a, something coming across that cable TV that we didn't subscribe to and, and uh, it was getting my attention. It was drawing, it was, it was, it was messing me up. And I remember going out in the dark in the night, disconnecting the cable out there where I knew it came into the house because I, I, the Lord, that, that's what the Lord has shown me, that the only thing you can do or the biggest thing you can do is to cut yourself off from it being available anywhere around you. Separate yourself from the people who talk to you about it. Uh, and, and that's just one, one of the issues. Every issue that the Holy Spirit shows you that distracts from your love of God. And, and, and you, the Holy Spirit will show you. The Holy Spirit shows you what holiness is. He shows you what, what it is to walk close fellowship with Him. And, and you, you're the one. Here's your choice. Just have to decide to love Him with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And your neighbor as yourself. Because John explains to us over in, you know, you say that you love God, but you hate your neighbor. That doesn't match up. That doesn't work. You say you're a person who loves, and you, yes, I love God, but how do you know you haven't seen God? Maybe he's like that person that, that you don't like there. If you're capable of hating somebody, maybe you'd hate God too. And, and in other words, God says it all goes together. When you let, when you let me baptize your heart in my love, you're going to love the world like I do. He's, he loves sinners. He loves to save sinners. He loves to rescue lost people. And it doesn't matter how, how long they've been in their sin. He's all about rescuing them and, and restoring them and enabling them to love him. Man, one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see. Go to the Dream Center out in L.A. or something and watch those drug addicts and prostitutes and all those people come in off the streets and find, find Christ as a Savior and watch how much they love him. Because didn't the Lord say when, he, when, when, when that woman was washing his feet with her tears and, and he he told, he explained to, to Simon, he said, he that's forgiven much loveth much. Man, I tell you, that's me. I'm forgiven much. I, I, just focus on what all the Lord has forgiven you and maybe that wellspring of love will be, will be uncorked and you, you'll be able to worship him and, and love him with all your heart because you need it just as bad as any other person in this world. We need his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy and his love. Lord, would you show us how to love you like you were asking the Ephesian church to love you. Would you show us, Lord, that if in any area of our life we've gotten religious, we've gotten routine, we've, we've let something take over besides the decision, the choice to love you with all our heart. I praise you, Lord, that, that you'll answer that question for each and every one of us if we'll sincerely ask it. You'll show us you're the way maker, Lord. You'll show us. You'll show us the way to love in you with all our heart and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Some of us literally believe that's impossible right now. But God, we, we believe you're the miracle worker. You're, you're the one who makes it happen. You, you can make miracles happen. And we, we believe that, that you, you'll keep your promise to us and you'll show us how to do exactly what you, what you said you would help us to do in Deuteronomy. I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand with me? And would you just bow your heads? Do you need to turn your life over to Christ? Do, do you want to begin your first love with him for the first time? Or maybe 
you did, but you've gotten away from it, and you need to just love Him with all your heart at a new beginning, a new, a new place. I, mainly, I'm, I'm inviting anybody who is, is not in relationship with Christ right now. If you're not in Christ, if you're not, if you're not, you, you don't have the Holy Spirit assuring you that you're a child of God. He dwells in us to assure us, to give us that assurance that we're children of God. If that's not present in you and you want to know Christ as your personal Savior, would you lift up your hand? Would you just lift up your hand right now? Maybe you online. I'm not going to see it, but that's not what matters. Lift up your hand. God will see it. Lift up your hand. I, I, if I was at home by myself, I'd, I'd just lift up both my hands. And, and you, you that are here this morning, lift, lift up your hand and lift up your heart and say, God, I don't want to go through this whole life full of opportunity to know you. And somehow I missed the chance. I seized this right here, this moment. I want this moment to become your son, your daughter. Bought with the blood of Jesus, rescued with the blood of Jesus, that you so love me so much that you'd be willing to shed. Lord, I don't want anything to keep me from loving you with all my heart. Would you accept me as your child? Would you forgive me my sin? Would you write my name in the, in the family book, the, the, the book of life? Would you write my name, record my name there with Peter and John? Do you, want it? Do you need to accept Christ as your personal Savior? I'm, I'm still giving you the opportunity to lift up your hand if you're present with us. I believe that online there are people receiving the Lord. Let's pray this prayer together with our hearts. This one, I don't want you to bow your head. I want you to look either directly in front of you or maybe lift your eyes toward Him and say, Father, we thank You that You loved us so much way beyond what we deserve. Thank you, Lord, you invited us to love you. We accept that invitation. I choose to love you. I make the choice to love you for the rest of my life. I make the choice to love you supremely above everything else. Would you enable me to love you and to love my neighbor as myself so that your will can be accomplished in my life. Help me have that relationship above all else, a relationship with you that will change my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. I, I can tell you this, that since the Lord has shown me the answer to my question, how do I quit sinning? Where did you show me to quit sinning? It, is, it has been a, a, a wonderful experience to look in the Bible and, and just see Jesus' relationship with His Father and know that He invites me to have the same relationship with His Father, with, with my Heavenly Father. He invites us into that relationship, and that relationship is what breaks the breaks the chains, they fall off. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. I told you that maybe Paul was saying that day, I've got, he had a thorn in his flesh and he prayed and prayed and prayed and God didn't take it away. And he couldn't believe that God wouldn't take it away because he was used to God just doing miracles through his life. But here, this, this thorn in the flesh, and I've often wondered, is it a sin? Was it a sin that just plagued him? Was it something that, 
that just troubled him and he didn't want it. He didn't want to be bugged by it. He didn't want to be tempted by it. He didn't want, it. He didn't want the enemy, able to, enemy to be able to jab him with it. It was, a, it was a messenger of Satan, he says. But the Lord said to this, my grace is sufficient for you. I don't have to remove it. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. That means that that, that relationship that he had with, with the Father was going to take care of that. It was, going to, it was going to win. He was going to be a champion because of his relationship. God, God says it's not all about, uh, uh, you know, whether I can, I can be this sterling clean because of my choices. It's all about how close you are to him. Because you know what? If you, if you make your life all about legalism, you'll end up being satisfied with something other than a relationship with God. Amen. And you'll be a starve in your heart for the relationship with God that God wants you to have. Wow. I've enjoyed preaching to you. I've enjoyed. I, I took back the, the five minutes I gave you last Sunday. I used it this morning. <laughs> you're, a, you're a beautiful, beautiful church family. And it, it, it is, it's wonderful to preach the word to people who are just thirsty and and hungry to hear it. Lord, accomplish your will with this message in each of our hearts. In Jesus' name. The Lord prompted me to, to, to invite you. If, if you, don't, you don't have to hurry to lunch or wherever you're headed and, you'd, and you just feel drawn by the Holy Spirit to spend some moments in the altar. I'm not, I'm not urging anybody to do that. I'm, I'm not trying to create a, a complexity here. I'm just saying, of course, the altars are always open. If you want to come spend time in the altar with the Lord, you can find this one open and altars that you can find that you can meet Him today. But do it. The Lord, the Lord just put that in my heart. You can find an altar today to pray this on through with Him. And may, may as well just plan on doing it the rest of the, your life every day. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.